0: I'm going to die. At some point, this is over. And I don't want to waste a minute of it. And I know that I have control over my attention and over my how I choose to spend my time. And if you don't like your life, do something about it.
1: Mel, welcome
0: to this show. <laughs> uh, I just, I like, have to get over here give me a hug. Oh, we my need to be doing
1: a high five as well, girl. Yes.
0: yes. Oh, I got to do that again. I didn't even hit you. There you go.
1: Welcome to the show. Thank you. For everyone at home, I just have to preface this. This woman I've been going after since I started the show three years ago. And that's what being relentless freaking looks like. So
0: I'm so glad that you're here. Me too. Oh my God. Okay. We'll now, s- now, can I be honest with yes. you? Yes. The reason why I haven't said yes, until now, is because I have not had something exciting and new and worthy of your show. So I have been holding off for something to talk about that I really wanted to debut on your show. Okay, well, let's actually
1: talk about that. Okay. Because you're, from your perspective, you want to bring something that you're worthy of the show. Yes. The flip girl, I kept telling myself, Lisa, you're not good enough yet. And so actually, this is a beautiful place for us to start, because how many people have in their own heads, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve, and then how many people on the outside are like, what the hell are you talking about? They have the complete opposite. And I've heard you talk about how happiness, we can get true happiness if we just shut up the jerk in our heads. So talk to me about the jerk in your head when you are on impact
0: theory. Oh, God, here we go. I write on the therapist couch here with Lisa. <laughs> well, just to kind of set the table yeah. for everybody that does not know what we're talking about, I write about this story in the new book, The High Five Habit. And um, I'm going to take everybody back four years ago. So this is the first book. The High Five Habit is the first book that I have written and published in almost five years. Back in 2007, I released a book called The Five Second Rule. And Lisa and her husband, Tom, played a pivotal role in one of the biggest professional breakdowns of my life. And they had no idea that it was happening at the time. No clue. And Lisa, I think you just found out about it by reading about it in chapter 12 of my new book. Yep. So here's what was going on. I had written the five second rule book I had self-published it because I thought that um, that was the best thing to do. I had a dream of being a number one New York Times bestselling author. And I put it up on my vision board and I dreamed about it and I thought about it and I studied all the authors that we all admire. And I did my best to do all the things that you uh, are supposed to do in order to sell enough books to grace the New York Times bestseller list, right? So I Mm -hmm. email my newsletter list and I am doing speeches all over the place and I'm pre-selling books as best I can in the back of a room with my pad of paper taking people's Like literally for months, I did everything I could. And when the book came out, I sent the email out to everybody And folks on my email list and everybody I'm related to immediately went to Amazon to buy the book. And here's what happened. Within an hour or two, the book was listed as out of stock. Now I thought, Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have won. I am a best-selling author. I have sold out of Amazon in a matter of a few hours. Oh my God. Oh my God. This like literally, this this proves all the things that everybody said about me in middle school is not true anymore. I I've done it, Lisa. And then I started to realize I had not sold all the books. Because I did not have, I had twenty thousand books at Amazon. I did not have that many people on my email list, and people started to email back, going, "It's out of stock. It's out of stock. It's out of stock." Like you
1: think your dream, like
0: the height of your freaking dreams come true at this point. Yes, I think I've done it. Like I've sold. Like I am a success. I am a phenomenon. This is unbelievable. I think the dreams are coming true, and then within a couple hours, people start emailing, going, "It's out of stock, Mel. It's It's out of stock. It's out of stock. It's out of stock." It dawns on me, there's no way I sold 20,000 books. There's no fucking way. I call the printer that I worked with that helped me self publish, and you know, it's a little self publishing publisher. And he tells me that he's seen this happen before, where when Amazon gets a flood of traffic to something that they're not expecting, they will turn off supply to make sure it's not a bunch of bots. <laughs> and to also check inventory. And we had no ability to figure this out. So for the first couple weeks that the book was available, it was out of stock. So here I am in this two week period where I have worked my ass off. I have done everything you're supposed to do, Lisa. And my book is out of stock. I have sent my entire marketing campaign to a product you can't get, and I'm thinking, why are you doing this to me, universe? I have worked hard. Why do I have to be the bad news bears? Why am I not part of that super, like, awesome group of best-selling authors? One, is it going to be my turn? And I start to go down the drain. Enter Tom and Lisa Villia. So when I come here and I am doing your show, I show up here and I'm like, this is my last hope because by the time this thing gets on air, maybe the book will be available. I have got to pull myself together. So I walk in here and I was just, I I didn't know you yet because I only knew like impact theory and I only seen it. I knew this was a big deal. I knew that being on Tom's show could really like change things for me. And I walk in here and I feel like a complete failure. You are lovely and delightful and I immediately start feeling like I don't freaking belong here. I mean, they just had this best-selling author and that best-selling author and this famous person was just here. What am I doing here? I am a self-published author with a book that's out of stock. You, like I'm I'm failing. I hope that they don't know because this is terrible. Like they, they, he is going to figure out before I enter the set that I don't belong here. You think imposter syndrome galore. Oh, completely. So I'm upstairs in the bathroom and I am having a case, no kidding, of stress diarrhea. Like I have got to empty the bowels because I am so sure that I'm about to be called out for the fraud that I am, that the book is not successful, that Tom's made a mistake. I look at the mirror. My cheeks are as red as a baboon's ass. I am sweating profusely. I've got pit stains on my red shirt. And then there's a knock on the door. We're ready for you, Mel. Mel. I splash water on my face. I literally am like, five, four, three, two, one. Like, pull your shit together, Mel. Get the fuck out there. And I open up the door and I go. And now I just want to say a quick
1: how I saw it. I was like, oh my God. Mel freaking Robbins. This woman is amazing. This woman is so freaking badass. Oh my God. She's got confidence to wear funky shoes. Oh my God. This woman is like, I'm in awe. And so I'm like, do I, do I have the right to talk to her? Oh, for God's sake. But I'm like, can I ask her how the book is going? Like, I'm all tense. I'm all nervous. I'm like, I'm okay. Okay. Is the team right? Like, are we impressing her? Does she have her right coffee? Like, I'm in my own freaking head, not, and it's so funny. Again, why I want to bring this up is, how different our perspectives. were. I was in fucking awe of you, girl, and I still am. But I was like, you're on a pedestal and you get on set and you sit down. The first question, you're like, motivation is garbage. And I was like, this woman is the most confident, strong woman I've ever met in my life.
0: Well, because, you know, that's what fell out of my mouth because I was basically having a panic attack (laughs) in your bathroom. So motivation is garbage. I wasn't, feeling motivated when I walked on that set. I was feeling scared. And one of the things that you believe that I believe too, is that your feelings are going to rise and they're going to fall and feeling nervous and feeling scared and feeling on edge and imposter syndrome. It's all normal stuff. You got to develop the ability to feel all that stuff, have your cheeks be as red as a baboon's butt and walk out there and do it anyway. That's what you've got to develop in life. Mm -hmm. And that moment taught me that. And there was something else that happened. So when I left that set, the whole time that the book was out of stock and I'm sitting here going, woe is me, and I've failed again, and I screw everything up, and why doesn't anything ever work out for me, I would catch myself. And I would say this, there's no way, Mel, that you've worked this hard that something amazing isn't going to happen. You have to keep going you have to believe that this moment is preparing you for something amazing that hasn't happened yet. That was the mantra Mm. that had deep meaning for me in this moment because it was a way for me to take an attitude that was going down the toilet and flip it into what I call a high-five attitude that was more empowering and supportive and encouraging. And so I kept repeating it, Lisa, There's no way something isn't going to happen when you work this hard. This moment is preparing you. It's giving you an experience, a person, a skill, something, Mel, that you need because something amazing is coming. You don't know it, but something amazing is coming. That gave me the resilience to keep going, even though the book was out of stock, even though by all measures I had failed. So your interview releases, and I all of a sudden get this email from Audible. I had forgotten that I had published an audiobook. Mm-hmm. I had self-published that too. My husband had uploaded it himself to the Amazon platform called ACX, which is a self-publishing platform for Audible. I had completely forgotten about the audiobook because I was so focused mm-hmm. on this New York Times things. And by the way, here's another thing. You can't make the New York Times list if you're a self-published mm-hmm. author. Something I didn't even know when I started. So, Here, I thought I'd fail, didn't achieve my dream, the whole thing. I get this email. Your monthly report is ready. And I'm like, monthly report? What are they talking about? I click on that report. I open it up. I am literally like, oh, (laughs) my God. Audiobooks. Audiobooks. Who knew audiobooks were a thing? Here's what happened. The entire time that I kept going, something amazing was happening, Lisa. They were going to the hardcover, but it wasn't available. They bought the only thing that was available, the audiobook. The five-second rule became the number one audiobook of the year, Lisa. It, to this day, is the most successful self-published audiobook in the history of Audible, and... It created a brand new partnership that I have with Audible, something by the way that I never would have had happen had my hardcover campaign be successful. And here's the other thing. I have never achieved my goal of being a New York Times bestselling author. and I might never achieve it. I've never made a traditional bestseller list. And it proves something that I believe very deeply. And that is that your dreams and the things that you put on your vision board have a very important purpose. They pull you through your fears. They inspire you to take action. But they are not necessarily meant to be achieved. (laughs) I believe when you pursue your dreams and you keep going and you keep telling yourself that if I work hard, something amazing is going to happen, you'll achieve something better. Something that you don't even know or can even think about right now because it's not even on your radar screen. Those dreams are dots on the map of your life that pull you in a direction you're meant to go, but you might never end up there because you're meant to end up somewhere else. I actually have an incredible quote of yours about dreams. You say,
1: when it comes to your dreams, you have two choices, pursue them or be haunted by them.
0: hmm It's true. You can't forget a dream. You can. Something that you want in your life, once you really want it and you give yourself permission to feel that desire, there's something called the Zygarnik effect. And the Zygarnik effect is this thing that happens in your brain, and I also think it's tied into your heart and your nervous system, but it happens in your brain where when something is important to you and you can feel that wave hit you, your mind takes note and goes, oh, I'm going to put this on the list in the file of my mind called This is Important. And whenever you are near anything that's related to what's important to you, your mind changes. The live network and filter of your brain will change in real time to try to alert you to the fact that you're near something that is important to you. And I'm not making this up. This has been proven in study after study. And I think that's why your dreams haunt you. You can ignore them, you can shove them down, you can tell yourself you don't want it anymore. But if you've ever wanted something deeply, it doesn't leave you. It gets stored in the subconscious part of your mind waiting for you to remember that it's there and to get to work on it. If you've always dreamt of living in an amazing beach house somewhere, you, you will always think about it. And you'll either pursue it or you're gonna be haunted by it. Mm-hmm. If you've ever thought about taking your grandmother's recipe and like doing something with that tomato sauce, you'll either pursue it or it's going to haunt you. And that's because of how you're designed as a human being. So you got two choices. You either do something about it or you're going to live for the rest of your life with this thing in the back of your mind that slowly eats at you. So here's the
1: thing, Mel everything you're saying, I 1000% agree. Like, But how do you, as you know, doing that first step, making that first move is very difficult. In those moments where you have a dream, anxiety can get in the way, fear can get in the way, imposter syndrome can get in the yeah. way, you've pushed yourself through it. But what I love is about your book is you're actually giving very specific tactics and tools on how people can use this in order to for them to get started so they can achieve the dream so they don't get freaking haunted by it. Because even by saying to someone, hey, you're going to be haunted by it, as we know, doesn't do enough to then get them to act. So I really want to talk about the high five habit. And I actually... there are a few things that you wrote in your book that was so powerful of what it actually tells you about yourself. And I'd love to go down those if you're cool with that. Yeah, sure. So, actually, if you want to give us a quick little preface
0: on the high five habit in general, and then sure. we can start there. Okay, so let me tell you the story quickly. So I developed the high five habit. I, I, I tend to have this knack for finding myself in breakdowns in my life. I am I consider myself a life-tested expert. Mm. All the advice that I am sharing with the world is stuff that I figured out the hard way mm. by screwing up my own life. And the high five habit is no different, okay? So I find myself uh, last year at a very low moment. I am standing in my bathroom. It's a moment I know every woman can relate to. They're in my underwear. Uh, I'm looking in the mirror. And of course, I am picking myself apart. I'm like, I hate how I'm getting really jowly right here. And I don't like how I've got these like big lines that are starting. And then I notice, you know, I've got this like indent right here that I don't like. And I don't like these like kind of marks right here that go this way on my neck. I've covered them up with foundation. And then this boob hangs (laughs) lower than the other boob. and, And I'm just picking myself apart because that's what I've been doing for the past four decades. That's what Almost all women and even men do it, too. This is what I'm finding based on the research of the book. And then as soon as my mind is negative about my appearance, my mind goes negative about my day. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, I, I forgot to text Lisa back. I uh, need to finish up that report. Oh, my gosh, my first Zoom meeting is a Oh, the dog needs to be walked. And now I'm going down the road negative about the day. The whole vibe is ugh. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know what came over me, but I just literally had nothing to say to myself. I really felt overwhelmed, just an average low moment. And I found myself, as pathetic as it sounds, raising my hand and high-fiving my own reflection in the mirror, brawless in my underwear. It felt good. I put my shoulders back. I felt a little bit like, okay, I got this. And I went on with my day. The next day, there I am again. And my mind is going negative. And I'm like, nope, high five. And that's what the high five habit is. But this is just the beginning. the The high five habit book is full of a bazillion tools. But I want to unpack this one because there's so much science here. And for women in particular, this is unbelievable in how it changes you and your relationship with yourself. So first, let's start with a high five. When, like, think about when in your life you have either given or received high fives. What does a high five from someone else or a high five that you're giving to somebody else communicate? Um, you're on the same team. You're like yep. in it together. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's also like, I think about it. You like give it to somebody before a big play. We got this. You give it to somebody when their attitude's going down. Come on, keep going. Pick your attitude up. You give it to somebody in celebration. And so a high five communicates support and empowerment and partnership and trust and celebration. And it's so powerful. And we're so good at giving all of those things to other people like you and everybody, especially women, we cheer for our friends, we create birthday parties, we buy people presents, we do work for our colleagues when they're overwhelmed, we help our parents out with whatever. We're so good at cheering for our favorite musicians and buying people's stuff. Mm. We are horrendous at giving that same support and celebration to ourselves. In fact, we not only don't give ourselves support and celebration, we do the opposite. We tear ourselves down, And we beat ourselves up and we pick ourselves apart. And every single woman I know is constantly saying, how the fuck do I put myself first? How do I do? How do I love myself? I know I'm supposed to. Well, I'll tell you how you do it. You put yourself first by doing for yourself what you've been doing for everybody else, because that's how everybody else became first in your life. You need to start to cheer for, support, and validate yourself, period. I realize now that I'm high-fiving myself that I have spent the first 40 years of my life either criticizing my reflection or ignoring it. How sad is that?
1: It's incredibly heartbreaking and yet ex- extremely familiar to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of women.
0: Yeah. And believe it or not, a lot of men, Mm. there's a lot of men that don't want to look themselves in the eye in a mirror and be with themselves because they're so focused on the things that they haven't achieved or the things that they failed at. And so they're ignoring themselves. Mm. They're not being with themselves. Mm. And so first things first, when you take a moment in the morning to just stand in front of the mirror and be with yourself, and then you raise your hand in a gesture that you have always associated with celebration, support, belief, and empowerment with other people, there's a number of things that happen that um, can be proven by research. First things first, uh, this is research out of Harvard. It's recent. Uh, They've shown in studies that simply taking a minute in the morning to get intentional about who you're going to be today and how you're going to show up changes your productivity it changes your level of confidence, it changes how impactful you are as a leader at work and in life. So this moment in the mirror is not to be diminished. This is a moment for you to be able to take a moment and intentionally align yourself with who you're going to be. Second piece of research is from a field of study called neurobics. It basically means when you marry a physical action with something, a thought that's unexpected, you accelerate the development of new neural pathways, mm. And there's famous studies that have proven that if you brush with like your non-dominant hand while you're thinking something, yeah. it sticks in your mind because you have to focus. Well, the same is true when you raise your hand and high five your own reflection. You see, you've been doing this for your entire lifetime. So there's already subconscious programming here, Lisa. The second that you raise your hand like this, it is so programmed in your mind to associate belief, cheering, empowerment, celebration, you know, with the high five itself that it's impossible to go, God, I hate my neck. Mm. Boy, is that cellulite ugly. You can't do it because this part of the mind immediately takes over and does all the positive stuff with a high five. It's crazy. Try it tomorrow morning. You will not be able to criticize yourself. Now there's another piece of research around this, which is, you know, when you do a high five, we did one, the first one we did, yeah. right? We didn't quite hit each other in the right, like, <laughs> good smack. So what did we do? We did it. Correct. Because a good high five requires you to be present oh. and intentional. Isn't that cool? Yeah. All that of that done done a little me. high five. Mm. And so what I started to notice was that I was in real time shifting my relationship to myself instead of criticizing the woman I saw in the mirror or ignoring her, I was developing a partnership, a trust, a sense of self-validation, a, I have my own back. I see you, Mel Robbins. We're gonna have a great day today. We got this. No matter what it is that life is gonna throw at us, you got this. That's how it all started. And then, of course, I put it on my story after a couple weeks of doing it, and people around the world started to post them, pictures of themselves doing it. And then all of their stories started rolling in about the difference that it was making. There was one woman that said that she's been struggling with body dysmorphia for 20 years. Cannot look in the mirror. And after five days of doing this, can stare at herself in the eyes with a grin. Five days. Five days. And the reason why is because of the lifetime association that you have with doing this for other people. So when you try this tomorrow, here's what I want um, you to do. Stand in front of your bathroom mirror and take a moment and just be with yourself for a second. And then if there's resistance to raising your hand and high-fiving your own reflection, what is that resistance? And here's some of the sad things that people are saying that I think ring true for all of us. I think most women can relate to this. I think guys tend to have a reaction that's more in the, I must be weak if I need this. Mm. When the fact is, if you've played team sports, you know damn well that there's nothing more motivating and there's no inspirational force that's more empowering than being cheered for by your teammates. Mm. That belief that they have in you transfers to a belief that you have in you. And so we know instinctively how powerful this is, and yet we have been trained to deny it Mm. to ourselves. That somehow if you have to empower yourself, you're weak, bullshit. If you empower yourself, you're strong, you're smart. And so with women, and you know, with men too, but I've found this to be the case with a lot of women, and this is super sad. That there is this belief that if I've done nothing that's worth celebrating, I don't deserve celebration. Mm. That I don't deserve celebration until I lose the weight and get to that number on the sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't deserve celebration until I get that job, until I'm dating somebody, until I buy that house, until I get through. And that's the opposite of what you actually need. You need celebration and support so that you can do those things that you deserve and you want in your life. And so here you are withholding the very thing that you need, support, celebration, love. You're waiting for somebody else to come waltzing in and give it to you, which they're not going to. And the secret to life is learning how to give yourself the support, the celebration, the validation that you as a human being need. So that's one thing that women feel. The second thing is this idea that if you are somebody that celebrates herself, you're a bitch right? That there's something wrong with you if you call attention to you. And that may be because your mom, uh, you know, kind of didn't call attention to herself and was uncomfortable being the center of attention. Maybe you got the messaging that you needed to be seen and not heard. Maybe it got reinforced in your family that you're supposed to be the good one or the quiet one or the, you know, nice one or the conscientious student or the this or the that, that there was a role for you to play. And that if you stand there and validate yourself that somehow it means that you're not all those things that other people need from you. It's complete and utter bullshit. And let me tell you why. When you were born, celebration, validation, all of that stuff was hardwired in you, literally. When you were learning to crawl, you saw a mirror, you would crawl up to that mirror. Have you ever seen a baby go to a mirror? They like put their hands on it, <laughs> yeah. looking at it, they love it, it's amazing. Love their face. That's in your DNA. That's what you are born, you're born to love the sight of yourself. Your life trained you that you're not supposed to do that. And so I'm on a mission to make everybody on the planet understand, because this is both for men and women, it doesn't matter where you are uh, in terms of gender and what or all genders that you identify with. Every human being has three fundamental emotional needs to be seen, to be heard, and to be celebrated for the unique person that you are.
1: I'm going to be utterly honest. There is little more damaging to your confidence than feeling weak and helpless and just struggling to get the care that you actually need from your doctor. And trust me, guys, I unfortunately speak from experience because when I was struggling with crippling, crippling gut issues about nine years ago now, it took me years, years to find a doctor that not only could I connect with, but a doctor that actually would listen, wouldn't gaslight me and actually take my words and my experience as truth so that they could actually eventually help me heal and not just to give me another freaking pill and then push me out the door. But now, my homie, you don't have to struggle to find the right doctor for you anymore. And that's thanks to ZocDoc. ZocDoc is an absolutely free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and then instantly book appointments with them online. And with Zocdoc, you can actually filter by insurance, location, and specialities to find the perfect fit for you, not for your friend, not for anyone else, but for you. Plus, on top of that, you can actually go and read verified reviews from real patients to find the doctor that you can actually trust. And typically, wait times for booking an appointment are days, not weeks because let's face it when you're sick you need to see someone right now so my homie do not i repeat do not neglect your health instead go over to zocdoc.com slash lisa and download the zocdoc app for absolutely free then find and book a top rated doctor today that's zocdoc z-o-c-d-o-c Dot com
0: slash lisa. Dot com slash lisa We all love watching these videos go viral of uh, caregivers coaching little kids to be like, I'm brave, I'm awesome, I'm this. And yet as an adult, somehow we think it's stupid to stand mm. in front of a mirror and tell that to yourself? You fucking need to hear it. And you're sad because nobody in your life is telling you. It starts with you. Mm. The other thing that goes viral all the time are teachers standing outside of classrooms, Right. Giving every kid an individual handshake, why? Because that handshake alone makes somebody feel seen and acknowledged and supported. And I'm here to tell you, if you want that and you do want that, you need it. It is the most powerful source of motivation on the planet to feel those things. It starts with you. And it can start every single morning with a simple high five in the mirror. Oh, girl. Um, All right. So I I love
1: everything you're saying. I want to kind of go even deeper. So you said, you know, um, all the things that it tells you. And I really want to take one at a time because it's so beautiful how you said it. So confidence is really
0: saying, I believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. So a a high five is an exchange of energy. Let's say you're running a, a, a road race, right? And you're running and you're feeling kind of tired, right? And I'm a stranger on the side and I'm like, come on. Yeah. It's more I than a. I don't make sl- you feel
1: better just you, but you high fiving me.
0: Why? I just felt like you cheered me on. Correct. Like you believe in me. I transferred my belief yeah. to you. I'm here to tell you, you can source that from within. You can. So confidence is one thing it communicates. You're right.
1: Yeah, that was so powerful. And then the next one, celebration, which we already covered, where you said, like, basically, you are amazing. You're telling yourself you have a right to celebrate yourself. Um, And what you said, by the way, was so strong that we will celebrate other people,
0: but we won't celebrate ourselves until we feel like we have done something. Yes. You have done something every single morning. You've woken up and you're breathing. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, think about what it's like to walk into a crowded room and nobody says hello to you. Mm-hmm. We've all had that experience, right, of mm-hmm. walking into, like, think back to middle school. When you walk into the cafeteria and you're looking for a place to sit mm-hmm. and nobody acknowledges you. Mm-hmm. Like, you just want to disappear in that moment. Yeah. I'm telling you, you have made yourself feel like that. And so there is this moment in the mirror where when you see yourself and you celebrate and high-five yourself, you're acknowledging your own existence because you've literally been ignoring yourself. We, you talk about these themes all the time in the, on the show of self-love and self-confidence and self-awareness. And we've all heard that phrase, you got to put your oxygen mask on first. You got to put yourself first. Nobody knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. And you do it by fulfilling your own needs and you can start every day doing it.
1: God, I love that. Um, Talk to me actually about RAS. It is so powerful. And so, yeah, if you can break that down on why high-fiving yourself um, creates the
0: RAS and why that's super powerful in your life. So this all begins with a high-five in the mirror. Examine the resistance to why you're not doing it. And I then go really much deeper into a lot of the research around negative self-talk, right? Because one of the really powerful things about a high-five that I also love, and look, I'm a motivational speaker. I tend to have a lot of positive things to say. But when it comes to encouraging myself, the cool thing about a high five, Lisa, is you don't have to say a damn thing. Mm -hmm. The gesture itself communicates everything. So you don't have to have a positive mantra or something to say. All you have to do is do the high five and it communicates everything, which is amazing because most of us have a default in our minds that is not only negative, it's abusive. I, uh, I screw everything up. Somebody's mad at me. It's all my fault. Um, you know, I'm not worthy. Whatever it is that you say to yourself, I'm not smart enough. It's not going to work out. It runs on repeat. It's all stored right here. And so it's not as simple as just high-fiving yourself and saying something positive. You have to first understand how your whole world has been colored by this negative default programming in your mind. And so the book goes into explaining uh, the RAS, which is stands for the reticular activity system. I describe it as a hairnet that sits over your brain that is electrified. It's like a live hairnet that changes in real time. And you've experienced the way that this filter changes in your life. And I will get back to the negative self-talk, but first let me give you the example. If you've ever wanted a car or you've been uh, shopping for a new car, the second that you go in and you test drive the new Bronco or a red Acura, what happens as soon as you leave the dealership? You see those cars everywhere. <laughs> you see them everywhere. The second you start looking for a house that you might want to buy or rent, what do you see? You see for sale signs everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Why? Because your mind will only let four things into the brain. That's what that RAS does. It lets in your name. You know, when you're like walking in a crowd, you're like, wait, did somebody say Lisa? Uh, that was the uh. filter in your mind, letting in that sound. Uh. It lets in any threat. So loud noise, you duck. You hear noises all the time, but it lets that one in pro- protect you. It lets in any signals that your partner is interested in having sex with either you or someone else. Chris... Stop looking at that person, (laughs) right? And four, it lets in anything that it believes is important to you. So when you get hyper-focused on something, your brain reorganizes itself through this filter to let in more information, more Broncos, more Red Acuras, more whatever it is you're looking for. And I want everybody to understand this because when you realize you can change the filter in your mind at any time, You can silence the bullshit you've been saying to yourself. And look, I have a lot of personal examples about how if you are staring at yourself in the mirror and you are 70 pounds heavier than you'd like to be, you have a lot of evidence for why you are not where you want to be. You have a lot of evidence that you've failed. You have a lot of evidence to beat yourself up with. But what I wanna ask you is how is beating yourself up and harping on yourself helping you? How is it inspiring you to do the work to change your habits? How is it making you feel like you deserve to reach your goals or to feel healthy and good? It's not, Mm -hmm. it's just a habit that you have. And because you've been harping on yourself and bringing yourself down for so long. It's what you're used to. Mm -hmm. And all the research shows, Lisa, that standing in front of the mirror and seeing somebody who's fucked up or who's failed or who's abused or who's damaged or whatever story you tell about yourself, it's part of the reason why you don't feel motivated to change. And what I want to do is to change your default from dragging yourself down and looking outside of yourself for for validation to learning how to lift yourself up Mm. and source your validation in here, even if you have 70 pounds that you need to lose and you feel bad about, even if you have been abused and betrayed, even if you have done things that you regret or that you're ashamed of, even if you've got mounds of stuff from your past that really have brought you down, what I'm here to say is that if you stand in that bathroom and you raise your hand and you high five your reflection, it is an act of defiance. It is basically saying, you know what, screw you. I believe in that person. I believe I deserve to feel healthy. I believe I can do what it takes. And when you start to cultivate that belief and you silence the bullshit in your head, Mm. your mind starts to pay attention. And your mind will start to change in real time and start to show you a different world. And look, high-fiving yourself in the mirror, it's not going to get rid of the fact that your boss is racist.
1: Mm.
0: It's not going to get rid of the fact that you were abused by your last partner. It's not going to get rid of the half a million dollars in credit card debt that you have it doesn't change those things it changes you Mm -hmm. and your ability to deal with those things to face them and to fix the things that you can fix to take control of the areas of your life where you're not taking control Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that's what it changes
1: God, I love that. And the knock on effect that it has. So, you know, I think a lot of us have confirmation bias, right? So it's like, if you think badly about yourself, you look in the mirror, oh my God, I'm fat, whatever. You go to the store, someone makes a comment or you put on something that's a little too tight and someone makes a joke. And the confirmation bias in your mind goes, see, I knew I, knew I was fat, right? And so now
0: you're repeating that negative thought. But This by- is all the RAS. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's it. And another example of it, Lisa, is that I started telling myself as the book was out of stock, Mm -hmm. I have failed, I have failed, I have failed, I have failed, I have failed. So as things are happening, like I'm showing up at your house, Mm -hmm. my mind is going, oh, these guys are like, wow, they're really cool. And wow, they've had celebrities and wow, they've had New York Times bestselling authors on and wow, I'm a failure. This all proves that I'm a failure. Whereas you don't have that story. You don't have a brain that's filtering the world that way. You have a totally different experience of the exact same situation, going, wow, this woman belongs here. She's part of this group because simply because she's here. I was putting pressure on
1: my crew. I was like, guys, it's Mel Robbins. We gotta freaking show up today. <laughs> like everyone so needs to be funny. on their best
0: behavior. Or so you know, like funny. get the, the A team in because it's Mel Robbins. And so this also explains why. We all have that girlfriend or that daughter or that sister or that partner or mom who beats themselves up. And you can look at this person that you love and see nothing but all their amazing attributes. It's their own mind that's keeping them trapped. Mm. It's filtering the world in a way. And so it's really I think heartbreaking when you have someone in your life that you're trying to help, that you wish could see all the positive things that you see about them, but they just don't. And they will never see this or change the way their brain is viewing the world until they start treating themselves differently.
1: So true. Um, I want to talk about visualization because there's been a lot on, you know, about visualizing the dream and, you know, embodying it and really putting up, you know, photos and all of that. And it's been, you know, it's very powerful. But in your book, you actually talk about visualization as like if you want to run a marathon, don't visualize, you know, crossing the finish line, which I thought literally that's what you were about to say. Like envision crossing the finish line, how good it's
0: going to feel. And then you totally threw me a curveball, girl. Yeah. What's the curveball? So everybody has been taught to do visualization wrong. Seriously, visualizing New York Times bestseller list, visualizing crossing the finish line, visualizing the mansion that you want to build on the beach, it will not help you get it. In fact, it does the opposite. It can make it harder to get those things. So visualization when done properly based on research and science, is a tool that you use to socialize your mind, body, and spirit into the work that it's gonna take to get those things. So instead of visualizing the finish line, which is what we all wanna jump to in life, right? Visualize all the crappy, horrible things you have to do in order to get to the finish line seven months from now. Visualize yourself lacing up your shoes at five o'clock in the morning. Visualize yourself jogging and it's mile seven and your frickin' earbuds run out <laughs> and you keep going. And it's raining. Yes, and it's raining. Visualize yourself with a leg cramp at mile 11. Visualize all those things that you don't wanna do and really feel what it's gonna feel like when your earbuds run out and you are seven miles into a training run that is 13 miles long and you keep going. Because what happens then is when you wake up and it's raining or your earbuds run out, you've already prepared for that moment. You know it's coming. And so your mind, body, and spirit will have this high five attitude and can empower and support you through this moment. If you just visualize the good stuff, you are not preparing yourself to do the work that it takes to get that stuff. So yes, slap up the New York Times bestseller list, slap up the beach house, slap up the dream body. But you better fill that thing with all the scary, annoying stuff that you really don't want to do that will lead you to that thing. You want that mansion? How are you going to make the money? Start visualizing the number of phone calls you're going to make and the rejections you're going to get and the late nights that you're going to spend and the times you're not going to go to that party because you're going to be working on that thing that leads to that mansion. That is so important and I had visualization all wrong. I did it just like everyone else. Oh, I'll just like think about the big thing and I'm gonna draw it to me. No, 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 no. You gotta visualize the dots along the way. How do you um, make sure that the dots along
1: the way then don't put you off? doing it then, because sometimes it's, you know, people say, God, if I realized how hard this was, I never would have started. So thank God I didn't know. So let's say I say, I want to run a marathon. I'm like, that sounds so great. Like the feeling of crossing that finish line will be so wonderful. Okay, but melt time, I need to visualize all the steps along the way. And so I start getting in my own head, because you know, we all get in our own heads, of like, oh God, but it's going to rain. Oh God, but like, what if my earbud, oh God, oh God, well forget it, I'm just not going to do it. You didn't want it enough. Ah.
0: I love how easy that was. Yeah, you don't want it. You just want the finish line. Uh That's not how life works. That's not how life works. Like, I I feel like there's a huge message, particularly that I learned too late in life as a woman that I'm trying so hard to instill in our 23 and 21-year-old daughters. And that is your life is your responsibility. Your happiness is your responsibility. There is no person that's going to come waltzing in here and do the work to make your dreams come true. There is nobody that's going to do the work to heal your trauma or smooth out your nervous system. There is nobody that is going to do the things that need to be done in order to have everything that you want in life. And when you embrace that you are responsible for your health, you're responsible Mm -hmm. for your healing, you're responsible for the... Money that you have, you're responsible for the dreams and the goals that you have. It's both terrifying and the most liberating thing in the world. Again, stop looking outside yourself and locate the power to create, heal, change anything within yourself. And you know the other thing that's really important is there's a lot of stuff that's happened to to, to people. To everybody every one of us i don't think anybody gets to adulthood without experiencing some level of trauma and whatever it is that you've survived you are not responsible for the shit that was done to you period you survived it which shows you're worth celebrating but you are responsible for healing for changing and for who you become next. And when you can realize that you will be more empowered if you are supporting yourself and cheering for yourself every step of the way as you try to change and as you try to heal, it will happen faster, it will be more fun, it will be easier. It's the withholding of those things That is making it impossible for you to break the patterns or to change the behaviors and thought patterns that are keeping you feeling beaten down and stuck. There's a couple other things things that I learned in the process of researching this book. Because, again, it all just began with the high five in the mirror. Mm -hmm. But when I dug deeper and deeper and deeper into the power of high fiving yourself... What I started to uncover was just how often we are abandoning, abandoning ourselves, betraying ourselves, ignoring our needs. And one of the, the more powerful tools that I stumbled into was something I call high five in your heart. Mm. And this is something that I started using. Um, I was waking up in the early days of the pandemic with a tremendous amount of anxiety. So I would literally wake up. And the anxiety would start in the ankles and roll all the way up to my shoulders. And it's a very familiar pattern. And I would immediately brace in my nervous system. And I'd start to feel like, okay, somebody's something's wrong. Somebody's mad at me. I've done something wrong. Something's going to go wrong. Something's wrong with the kids. Like my mind would start to race. And so I started doing this thing where I took my hands and put them over my heart. And I would close my eyes. And the hands on the heart would ground me, and I started to say, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. Now, there were mornings that I said that probably 27 times. And as I would say it, almost like in a rhythm, I could feel my nervous system settling down. Mm -hmm. And I would feel grounded in my body, and my thoughts would stop racing, and it was something that I started calling high-fiving my heart. And I share it because I know so many people wake up feeling anxious. And there's a lot of science around why this works. By placing your hands over your heart like that, you are toning what's called the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve runs uh, through basically, you know, you're down here through every major organ, your vocal cords up through your brain. You can tone your vagus nerve by humming, by chanting, Mm. by singing, by taking a hot shower, uh, ice cold bath, and also by putting your hands on your heart. Mm. And what happens when you get intentional about toning out this nerve is this thing is like the on off switch that switches on your parasympathetic or your sympathetic nervous system. Mm. It is what will help you go from a state of being on edge and tense and uh, to in your body and chill. And so it's yet another tool that you can use grounded in science in moments where your emotions start to hijack you. You feel yourself going on edge. I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm loved. Because if you can put your hands on your heart and you can say those three sentences, it's true. You are okay. You are safe and you are loved in that moment. And that will give you the grounding that you need to be able to then face what you need to face. That's so strong. How much did you feel like you had
1: to do it very specifically because you're so freaking well-known as a motivational speaker, you're so well-known as like the woman who, you know, was in bed and got herself out of bed and now here you are (laughs) again, right? Like Right back where we started. Yeah, like how much of that was very hard for you and how did you deal with um, part of that judgment was it you putting your hands on your heart telling yourself that you're safe can you talk to us a bit about that like self judgment because i think i get asked a lot where people say to me i used to have the confidence lisa but i don't have it anymore right and it's the fear that oh my god that part of me will never come back again
0: Mm. you know i think for me um this was the insight that i've gained recently so the five-second rule, life changing 5 four, three, 2 one get out of bed. 5 four, three, 2 one pick up the phone, make the call. Five, four, three, two, one, 2 one get to the gym. 5 four, three, 2 one, don't snap at the kids or your husband or your partner. 5 four, three, 2 one like you can push yourself through something or you can put yourself in pause. Mm-hmm. It is profoundly life-changing. But what I learned during the pandemic was this. There was nowhere to go, <laughs> you know? There was no plane to catch, there was no speech to give, there was no where to drive the kids to, there was no meeting to run to, there was nothing. And I had to be still. I had to be face-to-face with myself and my dysregulated nervous system and my anxiety, which I had been barreling through for years. And I started to realize that I have been coping with anxiety and worry and stress by running to Target Mm. and running to get a cup of coffee and running over here and running over there. And when I had to just sit and be with myself, there was a lot about that that was really uncomfortable. I'm not used to being still. I'm not comfortable being in my own body. At least I wasn't. I was used to the external validation and the external energy and racing from one thing to the next. And I equated being busy with being successful and happy and okay. And when all of a sudden the world stopped and there was nowhere to go and everything was getting canceled and I had been fired from my dream job as a talk show host and my book contract had been canceled and the speeches were canceling. and. The kids were now all home and they were in various straits of psychological breakdown and the world was upside down. I lost my coping mechanism, which was to distract myself by being busy. And that's when the anxiety became roaring back. And I learned the most powerful thing in the world, which is the ability to stand face to face with yourself in the mirror and know that no matter what, you are going to be okay because you have your own back. That no matter what, no matter how hard this is right now, it really is temporary. And if you look at your life like a giant school, and some years are a party, (laughs) and some years suck, and those years that suck are the years that you learn the most, and that everything is teaching you something. And what this last year and a half of my life has taught me is that the strength that I've been looking for all over the place running around has actually been in here all along. Mm -hmm. And when you slow down and you start to stand with yourself face-to-face and you rely on yourself for the support and the pep talk and the empowerment and the celebration and the validation that you've been looking for in so many other places, you will unlock a level of confidence and a level of resilience and a level of just, Strength that's been in there all along. Mm. It's actually been building during the shitty parts of your life.
1: Yeah, God, that's so true. But in those moments, so what makes you just keep going then, right? Because so many people do,
0: I feel like they give up on themselves. Yeah, of course you do. That's that's one of the reasons why so many people immediately brush this idea of high-fiving your reflection as stupid or weird or corny because they've already given up on themselves. Hmm. Why would I do that? What good is it gonna do? Like I'm so far gone or I've screwed up so many times, how on earth is something so silly gonna actually change something? It doesn't change the past, it changes you and how you relate to you. It helps you build a partnership with the most important person you have in your life, yourself. Your relationship with yourself is the foundation of every single relationship that you have if you don't love and respect yourself, how on earth are you going to do that for other people? Mm. And worse, if you don't love and respect yourself, you are going to go into relationships and become phenomenally codependent the second somebody gives you any kind of attention, Mm -hmm. which makes you phenomenally vulnerable to getting knocked on your ass when they decide they don't want to give you any more attention because you don't love and respect yourself so why would they love and respect you? Mm. It all comes back to you. Does that then build the confidence that when you fail, because we all know
1: if you're going to try anything, the chances are you're going to fail along the yeah. way. That's what separates the winners and the losers is how you handle the failure. Yeah.
0: Talk to me about that. Here's the crazy thing about failure. Research shows that people that fail at their first business are more likely to be successful as entrepreneurs because the failure always teaches you something. So right now you're looking at a woman who got fired from her dream job. I had dreamt since I was a little girl growing up watching Oprah Winfrey and Donahue uh, in, in, uh, the Midwest, I grew up in Western Michigan. I grew up dreaming that that would be the best job on the planet. Never in a million years did I think it was going to happen. I went to law school. My life went in different directions. Again, your dreams, you either pursue them or they haunt you Mm -hmm. always in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. Always when I saw Ellen or Oprah, anybody else at the show, I'm like, Ooh, jealous. Um, because that's a desire it's blocked. I'm not pursuing it. It's haunting me. It shows up as jealousy and envy. That's how you know that it's still there. That's how it haunts you. And so I get this opportunity at the age of 50 to partner with Sony Pictures Television and host a daytime syndicated talk show. We filmed it at CBS Broadcast Center. You were so good. Oh my (laughs) God, you were so good. It was amazing. I loved it. Loved every minute of it. And we didn't make it to season two. The show was canceled. I was fired. End of story. I failed. But did I? Depends how you look at it. If you're losing and you've got a loser mentality, every failure becomes evidence that you're not good enough. If you have a winning mentality, what I call a high five attitude, every failure is just a valuable lesson that you need for something amazing that's coming next. Mm -hmm. And for sure, that talk show gave me not only an experience, but it gave me relationships. It gave me uh, skills that were preparing me for something amazing that's coming. No doubt. Pursuing that dream, just like pursuing the desire to be a number one New York Times bestselling author, a dream I've never achieved. Pursuing it put me on the path to learn something Mm. that was more amazing than achieving that dream. So what's inside you that makes you keep pushing them? Because so
1: many people, and this is very heartbreaking, when people are like, oh, my best days were when I was back at school or back in high school or back in college. Oh, God, that sucks. And it really it really depresses me because I'm like, well, think about it. I like to think that I'm going to live until I'm about 100. So if you're saying the best years of your life were when you were, let's say, 20, it's like, oh, my God, so then 80 years of your life, you've been remembering the best moments of your life. But so many people stay there. So for you, what is that thing that keeps pushing you to keep going where other people may just give up, accept, you know, um, lick their wounds and then just say, okay, well, that wasn't for me. And then they look back, always saying the best days of my life. Forwards.
0: I'm going to die. At some point, this is over. And I don't want to waste a minute of it. And I know that I have control over my attention and over my how I choose to spend my time. And if you don't like your life, fucking do something about it. Answer the question, what do I want? If the best days of your life were back in college, it was probably because you were with friends a lot. It was probably because you were studying things and you were growing and learning as a person. and. The best days of your life felt like a party because you were constantly expanding your awareness and experiencing new things. You can create that same thing at any age. So stop whining and bitching about what was and what is right now, and start high-fiving your way to creating what's next. Because again, you are responsible for your life.
1: And that's what I fucking love so much about you, girl, is that you're so upfront, honest. You talk about your anxiety very openly. Um, And so it's what I love about that is that people can't dismiss you because it's like, no, no, no. You've just laid out all the crippling anxiety that you've had in your life, but that you don't accept it. You don't succumb to it. And that's the biggest thing. It's not that you don't feel it. It's not that you don't have it. It's not that sometimes you're not lying in bed with your hand on the heart trying to get yourself to get motivated to get out of that bed. It's that you have those moments, but you don't succumb to it. And that's the thing that I just...
0: Well, here's why. Because I don't believe that somebody that says the best days of my life were during college and now I'm 40 and whatever, I don't believe they're okay with that. Mm. I think that the resignation is set in as a way to insulate yourself from feeling the pain and disappointment that you feel about how your life has turned out. I've fucking been there. And when you are disappointed by your life... It's hard to get out of bed. And what I'm here to tell you is that every single morning you got a chance a chance to start a new chapter in your life. And it begins by changing how you relate to yourself when you see yourself in the mirror. And that's the opportunity of the high five habit. It's not true that your life is over. It's not true that you're stuck where you are. It's not true that you don't have a choice. It's not true that you have to stay in this relationship because of the kids. It's not true that you screwed up because you stopped working for a decade or whatever. It's bullshit. At any moment, you can choose to change, but no one's gonna come in and do it for you. Mm. You gotta look yourself in the mirror and you gotta say, I see you. I see that you're not happy and I'm gonna fucking do something about it. I'm gonna answer the question, what do I want my life to look like? And then I am going to go out and I'm not gonna stop working at it until I get there.
1: Where can people find the book and all the amazing things and the challenges that you're oh, doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so you gotta join Lisa and I in the high five challenge. We're getting five million people. Yeah, we all, baby. To uh, wake up five days in a row and begin their day with a high five. In the Boom. mirror. And, uh, you just go to the link that are in the comments, uh, in the, in the caption. It's called the high five challenge. You can also Google it. It's a hundred percent free. Um, and I will be there along with a ton of inspiring people like Lisa cheering you on for five days as you practice the tools in this book.